with Kathy Rue. Kathy uses her years of experience and dedication to guide you through the world of estate planning, probate, wills, and more. Now here's your host, Kathy Rue. One, thanks for tuning in today. It's a rainy Monday, but a blessed Monday nevertheless. And I am in the studio today with Kevin Ebley. Hey, how you doing? Pretty good. How are you? I'm good. Good. Good to be here. Made it through some rainy weather. Um, some spots were more uh, downpour than others. It's a little dicey out there. It though. was. It was. It. Uh, and some of the roads around here are not the best. No. It's gonna be a little rocky. I did run through some puddles. <laughs> But happy to have the rain and happy to be here. Thankful that I made it here safely. Yeah, everything's and, uh, good in here. We've yeah, we got our cameras going. Everything's starting to, to, to pan out. Yes, I got my logo above my head. Everybody, check my logo out. Yep. <laughs> I o- love it. Also, if you want, we can always pull it up there. You know, yeah. I like that. So I love that design. So I'm here after a good weekend and I'm ready to talk some more about uh, the law. You were in the state of Texas. You were talking a little bit before the show about how you thought our last episode was just a <laughs> little bit, uh, a little bit goofy. I did think it's a, it was a little bit goofy. For me, it was the best show that I've done live so far with It's the Law. Um, it seems like each show gets better and better, so I'm really enjoying that. But uh, that last show was funny and goofy, and I loved it. It was a little out there. I think so. We we just were all <laughs> over the place with Halloween and and hunting and ethics. <laughs> And you know what? That's fine with me. <laughs> I think it made a good show, though. I went back afterwards and I watched it on Facebook Live. I watched the entire show, and I thought it was a really good show. It's good I really enjoyed it. We don't always have to be serious. We you don't. Know, we, we can we have don't. fun here. Well, there's enough serious issues in the world for everyone to deal with. So I think exactly a, a little humor and a little fun goes a long way these days. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. So um, just glad to be here today and ready to talk about the law and. Whatever topic you want to discuss today is fine with me. I think that we touched on gun trust, but like you said, we got sidetracked on many tangents last week, so I don't think we covered quite as much as we can. And um, also, we have some listener questions about gun trust, too, If you want to, whenever you want to get to that. Uh, yeah, that's great. We can talk about gun trust again today and finish up on that and yeah. maybe get into some other topics if we have time. Um, maybe I, we can... I have no idea where we left off, do you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I know we were talking about things like what is a gun trust, and we talked about NFA firearms, but I'm happy to go over those things again. Um, and, you know, basically just to define what is a gun trust, you know, we're... we're Um, throwing that terminology around. And for our listeners, I just would like to clarify so that you can get a a better picture of what we're actually talking about. So what is a gun trust? A gun trust is a special type of trust, and it's designed to to address issues that are unique to firearms. And as we all know, Firearms are one of the most heavily regulated types of personal property in the United States. And in our particular state are very common. (laughs) Yes, yes. Lots of Texans own firearms. So um, gun trust are good to know about. It's an option as a way of owning a firearm and as a way of transferring title to a firearm. So that gets us to what does a gun trust do? Well, most gun trusts are highly customable, revocable 
living trust. And I'll talk a little bit more about what a revocable living trust is, but that's basically what your gun trust is. Um, It's a revocable living trust and it addresses the rights and duties of the parties to the gun trust. Um, So your your gun trusts are going to have terms and clauses in it that address the use of the firearm, the possession of the firearm, and the transfer of title of the firearm. And so most gun trusts are set up to determine how a person's firearms are managed during their lifetime and in the event of their incapacity as well and also upon their death. Right. So, um, you know, of course, when you're setting up trust, let's let me give you a little bit of background and terms of what a trust is and then what a revocable living trust is. Um, A trust is a written agreement. It's a document, a legal document that allows a party, the uh, trustee, to hold assets on behalf of one or more beneficiaries. And the person who creates the trust is the settler. So you've got three parties here. You've got the settler, that's the person who owns the gun and who's creating the trust. Then you've got the trustee, That's the person who's going to hold title to the gun and is going to manage it for the benefit of the beneficiaries. And then you've got your beneficiaries, and those are the people who are going to get the gun upon the death of the settler who's the person who created the trust. And the trust is a separate legal entity. Um, And so after the trust is created, the settler transfers ownership of the assets from the settler's name to the trustee's name. And at that point, that's when the trustee takes over and the trustee becomes in charge or the custodian of the assets and has the right and the duty to manage them, sell them, make sure title is properly transferred, distribute them to the beneficiaries at the point that they're supposed to get them. Now, the trustee can acquire assets on behalf of the trust, and the trust uh, specifies exactly how and when the assets pass to the beneficiaries. So the duty of the trustee is to administer the trust in accordance with the terms of the agreement, the trust agreement, that is, and for the benefit of the beneficiaries. So what is a revocable living trust? Well, a living trust is a trust that's established during the settler's lifetime, as opposed to a trust that's created in a will and is established upon the testator's death. Right. So when you, that's why it's called a living trust, because it's created during the settler's lifetime. Um, and the settler, which let's say it's you, Kevin, let's say you own a gun and you want to set up a trust. All right. I wish I settler. did own a gun. I don't, but <laughs> we'll have to get on you it. one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you own a gun. You want to set up a gun trust. You are the settler. You're creating the trust. So you go to an attorney, you have them draft the document. And once the document is drafted, you transfer title of the gun to the trustee that you've designated in your trust agreement. And then that trustee will manage that gun and any other assets you put into the gun trust. So as you accumulate guns, or if you have more than one, you can title them all to the 
um, trust and the trustee will manage them for the benefit of your beneficiaries. So let's say you have young children or let's say you have siblings who are fond of hunting as we were talking about uh, last Less, show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know your brother for instance has had his eye on a particular gun or rifle or um, firearm that you own. Um, he would be listed as a beneficiary in the document. And then upon your death, the guns would be distributed to him by the trustee. So I now, can have one trust that encompasses all of the firearms that I own. It would be the gun trust, But yes. if, if you wanted to, could you have separate ones for separate uh, firearms? You could, you could. But it's right in a re- it's I not, mean, it, yeah, it's not the most efficient way to handle it. It's probably not the best way to handle it because what you have to consider is the more trust you have, the more record keeping you have. So it's more time consuming. It takes a lot of uh, record keeping to keep track of what you're putting, the assets you're actually putting into the different trust. And that's a, a problem or a disadvantage with trust is that you have to keep track of the assets you're putting in the trust. Right. So, and oftentimes people forget to do that. They don't forget, they don't remember to transfer assets into the trust and properly fund them. They don't remember what assets they have transferred into the trust. So I don't recommend having several gun trusts for different guns. I would recommend having one gun trust and putting all of your firearms in that one gun trust. Is there any limit to how many firearms you can have under one trust? No, there's no limit. Um, The trust is set up to manage your firearms. Right. So as many as you have, you can put in that one trust. And the nice thing about a living trust is that um, you have the authority to amend it. You can revoke it if you decide you don't want to have it anymore for whatever reason. You can revoke it and transfer the guns back into your name. So <clears throat> it does it's not a permanent document until you pass away upon your death it becomes irrevocable but as long as you're alive you can change the terms of it you can change the beneficiaries on it and you can revoke it. So that's that gives you a little bit of background on what a trust is. It gives you a little bit of background on what a revocable living trust is. Um, and so we've talked about what a gun trust is. We've talked about what it does. And the nice thing about having a gun trust is that the firearms in the gun trust pass privately to beneficiaries outside of the probate process. So... If you title your guns to the trust and you have the trustee managing your firearms, then upon your death, the firearms are transferred to your beneficiaries and they don't have to go through probate to receive the guns and nobody necessarily knows that they are getting titled to those guns. We are about to go to break. Please stay tuned. We will be right back with It's the Law with Kathy Rue. Providing you her will and testament for good radio. More It's the Law with Kathy Rue coming up next. You're tuned in to It's the Law. 
And we're back, everyone. We're back with It's the Law with Kathy Rue. Hi, I'm Kathy. And um, it is Monday, November the 7th. We're here in the studio. I'm here with Kevin Epley. Hey, hey, Kevin. How you doing? Pretty good. How was your weekend? It was pretty good. Yeah? Yeah, it was relaxing. Pretty How's your Halloween? But, uh, you know, Halloween was very, very boring. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, my girlfriend and I just carved some pumpkins. We put them out on our balcony, uh, you know, from my apartment. Sure. And we had candy just in case trick-or-treaters came by, but sure. nobody did. Okay. And uh, so we just stayed in and watched horror films. Okay. We watched the Halloween Marathon <laughs> on AMC Fear Fest, and cool. uh, that was pretty much it. What, what did you, how was yours? Mine's was pretty good, actually. Uh, my daughter and I sat outside and handed out candy, and uh, I dressed up as Pikachu. Nice. Which is my favorite Very Pokemon nice. character. <laughs> I assumed you'd be a witch because of your hat um, that you wore on, on the That was during show. the show I was a witch. Yeah, that's you right. Know, I, have, I have many alter egos. You have egos. multiple costumes. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> That's good. I didn't. I didn't have one, so I, you know, I, I'm jealous. <laughs> I have to send you a picture of uh, me dressed up as Pikachu. It was quite yes, uh, humorous. <laughs> so that so, was fun. Do you guys and, uh, get a lot of trick or treaters? We did actually. We did. My daughter dressed up as a giraffe, and um, we got a lot of trick or treaters came by. Cutest costumes. We saw all sorts of princesses and heroic figures, and just every we saw Deadpool. Uh, I was gonna say, I'm sure there's super, plenty of superheroes. Yes, we in saw there. Batman and Robin and Superman. Iron Man, maybe. We did. I didn't see Iron Man. Captain America. I didn't see Captain America. Thor. I yeah, didn't you, see Thor. Did you see a lot of adventures? <laughs> I didn't see too many adventures, but I saw um, what's the Disney movie with the uh, frost with the cold? Oh the, God, what uh, is that? That's I can't think so of the name popular. Of it. I can't yeah. either. Frozen. Frozen. Yeah. Yeah. I saw the characters from Frozen, the two sisters from Frozen. Uh, we saw some other Disney princesses, and uh, we saw a cheerleader. Just a bunch of characters. There were a lot of kids out. And uh, there's a haunted house right down the street from their house, and so it was. It was really cool. Man, your neighborhood rocks. Yeah, it was pretty good. There's a lot of children. We live close to us. Well, they live close. My kids live close to a school, and so there's a lot of children in the neighborhood, and it's a pretty. Um, traffic neighborhood particularly during halloween you know the kids run walk through the neighborhood and dress up and yeah get involved in the holiday spirit so see even though i'm older i always like uh, going to my parents house on halloween just because it's fun to, to be there and like help decorate and yes. hand out candy and all that stuff but yes. this year I, I wasn't there and my dad was at the house taking care of it and back in the day we had a lot of trick-or-treaters but i think as everyone in, you know like when i was in high school there's a lot of kids more in the neighborhood but as i've grown up everyone else has grown up too yes and i was like did you get a lot of trick-or-treaters and he was like oh yeah tons and i'm like really he says no we had one <laughs> i'm like oh my god i mean it's been fewer and fewer as years go on but i would say one is the new uh the new low so yeah we had a lot we had bummer. two bowls of candy she, she had a bowl and i had a bowl of candy and we both gave both of those bowls out so we were out there for about a good mm, two hours, yeah. I would say. Yeah. It was fun. I would I hope the one trick-or-treater we had, my dad gave like half the candy to. He's <laughs> like, what else are we going to do with all of it? <laughs> Just take the whole bowl. Yeah. <laughs> so he made out like a bandit. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> all right. So getting back to gun trust. Um, when, before we left to go to break, we were talking about how the firearms uh, pass privately to the beneficiaries upon your death, Kevin. Let's say you pass away and you've got your gun trust up, set up mm -hmm. and uh, your trustee is in charge of your guns. And so then upon your death, he would distribute the guns to the beneficiaries that you've named in your trust document. And so that's one of the advantages of having a gun trust is that, generally speaking, those guns 
are considered personal property and they are considered probate assets. And because of that, they pass according to your will. And so if you probate your will, you have to do an inventory, and sometimes the inventory is filed in the court records, and that information is made public. Uh, With the gun trust, you don't have to do that. Because you've got the gun trust set up, your trustee will distribute those guns to your beneficiaries through a private process. Your beneficiaries will be notified. They'll show up. Um, at the trustee's office, they'll present identification, and the trustee will transfer title and possession of the guns to them. So the whole world doesn't have to know what guns you own, how many guns you own, who you're giving them to. Because a lot of people don't want that information out there. A lot of people don't want to disclose that information. They want that to remain private. Exactly. So that's one of the advantages of having a gun trust. And if you have a well-written gun trust, it can serve as a comprehensive estate plan for all of your firearms, which is something you were asking about during the break. Did you need to have multiple trusts for multiple firearms? No, you don't. You can have one very well-written written document and you can place all of your guns in that document and that will serve as your estate plan for transferring those uh, that personal property or those guns. Now, you should still have a will in place uh, for several reasons. You can have a regular will to take care, to act as sort of a safety net and take care of any property that you don't have in some type of a trust, be it a gun trust or some other type of a trust that you've created during your lifetime. If not a regular will, you can always have a pour-over will. And if you have a pour-over will, that will go to funding uh, a, a separate revocable living trust that you have for your other property which it would be separate from your gun trust. So you wouldn't have a multiple gun trust, but you can have a standalone gun trust, and then you can have a revocable living trust that you put other personal property you own in, um, such as your car, uh, bank accounts. You could also title the deed to your house to a revocable living trust. So... You wouldn't, again, and I apologize for repeating myself, but I'm just trying to make it clear that you could have a gun trust just for your guns and then have a separate revocable living trust for other property that you own. Okay, well, we have an email listener with a question um, pertaining to gun trust. (laughs) The the subject line is weighing the benefits, so I'm guessing he's trying to weigh the options of gun trust. This is from Julian in Arlington. Uh, first, he wants to know, is there any kind of yearly fee attached to the gun trust? You may have a fee to pay for registering it with the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and Explosives, um, because the gun trust is not filed with any city, county, or state government entity. So you're not going to have any filing fees. You're not going to have any registration fees. That's that funny. That nature. was his second question. Is, is there any filing requirement or does it remain private? Yeah, it remains private. And so your trust and your name do not show up on any government database other than the tax rolls of the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives. So there may be a filing fee uh, for... or 
a tax that you may, ha may have to pay with that bureau, the ATF bureau, but you're not going to pay any filing fee with any city, county, or state government. And is that probably a one-time thing? Probably. It yeah. probably is. There may be a, mon a, nominal, a nominal charge to renew your filing with the ATF, but nothing significant, I would imagine. Um, and so the other thing that the trust, the other advantage, since he's asking about advantages of the trust document, right. another advantage is that um, you have the privacy issue, so you're, it, doesn't, it doesn't go public. Um, the other advantage is you can revoke it. You can amend the terms of the trust agreement. You, as the settler who's creating the trust, as long as you're alive, you still have control over the document. So if you decide you don't want to use the trust anymore, you can revoke it and get rid of it and take the firearms back into your own name uh, and hold them that way. Um, but what about the irrevocable trust? It only becomes irrevocable upon your death. As long as you're alive, right. you still have the right to amend you it, make changes to it. You yeah. still have full control over it. But upon your death, it becomes irrevocable, and you, of course, or the trustee cannot make any changes to it. Um, so in terms of the costs that are involved, which is what he asked about in terms of filing fees, registration fees, those type of things. There is another cost involved, and that is the cost of hiring an attorney to create the gun trust. So you're going to have to pay some attorney's fees to create the trust, and that is going to vary from attorney to attorney depending on how they charge. Some attorneys charge a flat fee. Some attorneys charge an hourly rate. Some attorneys will charge a hybrid where they'll charge charge you a flat fee for a set amount of hours to work on the trust. And then if the work exceeds those set amount of hours, they will then charge you an hourly fee for any time spent over that set amount of hours that uh, they've quoted you for the flat fee. Um, but generally there's, there's no filing fees associated with the trust. Um, there's no, there's no requirement to file annual franchise tax statements with the comptroller of the state of Texas. So you don't have that expense. There's no requirements for annual meetings or reports. So you don't have that expense. And again, you can amend it as needs and requirements change. Thanks for the question, Julian. Listeners, please stay tuned. We'll be right back with It's the Law with Kathy Rue. Providing you her will and testament for good radio. More It's the Law with Kathy Rue coming up next. Broadcasting with the power of attorney, you're tuned in to It's the Law. On November 7th, is Monday afternoon, and we are broadcasting live It's the Law with Kathy Rue. I'm here 
in the studio with Kevin Ebley. It is always great to be here with you, Kathy. <laughs> thank it's my, you. my favorite part of every Monday. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, Kevin and I have been doing these shows for quite some time. Now we started out with we Ask go way the back. Expert. <laughs> yes, and we did oh, about a year's worth of shows there, and now we're doing It's the Law shows together. So we've been a team for some time. And I want to say, you were one of my the first people I ever interviewed for SC Experts. Really? I think you were there towards the, the very beginning. Really? Yeah, I think so. Okay. So, yeah, you were there for, for that inception and the very beginning of this one. Yes. So, yeah. So we, we have a history of starting shows as well. St- yeah, that's true. <laughs> and they work out well because we had a great time with X, the expert shows, um, gave some great information, legal information to people who were listening. And now we're doing It's the Law and we're giving some great legal information in this venue as well. You know, I like it better as your show, to be honest. Thank you. I mean, I always had fun interviewing, <laughs> but it's it's nice sometimes just to sit back and co-host. Not to mention, watching you grow as a host has been a lot of fun. I yes. mean, you're much more polished. Much more than relaxed. First, yeah, you were a little <laughs> nervous the first time we were ever on the air. And oh, yes. It's like night and day compared to how it is really? now. So, well, oh, I'm yeah. glad I'm improving. So that's encouraging that I'm growing. So that's, Absolutely. that's really good. Yeah, I was very nervous with Ask the Experts, especially in the beginning. I, I tried not to act like it, but about, I was nervous, too. <laughs> I <laughs> couldn't me. tell. I couldn't tell at all. All that you were nervous. Uh, yeah, yeah, I never definitely. got that. You were. You always seemed really cool and in control, and like, oh, we're gonna do this. We're gonna do this. It's gonna work out fine. I was like, okay. <laughs> you could never see my hands behind the console when I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> trying to get true. everything right. Well, this is true, and this makes it this particular setup that we have right now is much more personable because you know we're sitting directly across from each other. Whereas when we did Ask the Experts, you were behind the glass That's and I was true. in the studio by myself. It was a lot less personal, I yeah. feel like, when you're between yeah, the glass. Yeah, a lot more formal. And it's harder to talk during the breaks, too. Like yeah. It just, yeah, overall, I, I prefer it this way. Yeah, this is a really cool setup. Yeah. So I think it makes for a better show. So we are improving as we move along. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you can tell the studio used to be set up that way where... The person was probably facing the window here, and they were talking to someone through glass. And I'm like, I don't want to do that anymore. Yes. I like this setup better. I like this better than the glass. I wish we could have worked out a way at the old place where I could have been in the air studio with you and somebody else be running the board, but yes. I'm kind of a control freak. I like to do everything. So yeah, that's, well, that's you've partly got it my now. Fault. You've got everything now. You've got the cameras, the soundboard, the computers. It's You're running it all. Yeah. <laughs> a three-ring circus here. It really is. I mean, uh, the just this setup alone, it feels more like uh, it's a TV studio now as well as radio. It, it really like. is. It really is. And yeah. I, I like that. I think that people will enjoy the video component of it. I, I one of those people who always said, you know, there's an intimate connection between voice and ear. I love listening to radio, and I still do. There are some times where I would prefer not to see what's going on, but then there are other times where I tune in and I'm like, oh, it's really fun just to see what the personalities look like and how yes. they interact with each other because you can see their facial expressions and mannerisms and get to know them a little bit better. So Well, it's almost like TV. It's almost like live TV because, you know, even though this is radio, you're still doing the uh, Facebook yeah. post and people get to actually see us as opposed to just listening yes. to us and this will be posted and available on facebook yes and we'll also iron out a time where our video webcasting will be live as well yes uh so that's coming soon yeah uh, maybe we can invite special guests at some point and get some other people in the studio with absolutely us. that would make a great show i plan on getting at least uh, one more camera installed in here and at least one more microphone and then, yeah, it'll really be a three-ring circus then. <laughs> it will. We need Zach here. We need Zach Lewis. Come back, Zach. We do. We Zach, come Zach back Lewis. and do the controls. Let me, yes. yeah, <laughs> let me relax a little. 
He's the video expert. <laughs> is he really? I'm, the, I'm an amateur at it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, he originally went to school to be a, to be a film student. I mm-hmm. mean, that was. But with our major, we had to learn all of them. We had to do radio, television, and film. I focused on radio. He focused on film. And then eventually, we started working together in radio, and he kind of came over to the radio side. But still, he knows video and video editing far better than me. Okay. I'm kind of just playing as I go <laughs> along here, learning as I go. Okay. I, mean, I had to learn some of it. Sure. But I forgot a lot over the years. Okay. And so now I'm relearning it. Okay. But, but it's fun. I'm enjoying it, but Good. if I if I had Zach here to control and switch the cameras and do all that stuff, yes. it would be nice. Yeah, well, we we're we'll gonna get, get in Zach here. in here before it's all over. Zach will be in here with us too, and then we'll have our three ring circus. Yes, <laughs> and Zach and I have a history of always working together. I mean, every time I've switched, and you know, we always end up at the same place. So. Mm-hmm. We, we, we stick together, like yes. you and me. Yes, yes, because I followed you around like a stalker. <laughs> <laughs> I started with you at Ask the Experts, yep. and then uh, that was at iHeart, and then I followed you over to Real to News. To RNCN, yes. Yeah. And now we're here. Yeah. And I, you know, I was just like to keep working with the people that are fun and that yes. I want to keep, you know, that I want to work with. Mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons that I came over here is because I was starting to feel like I was being forced to do radio that just well, I wasn't having fun doing it, and I okay. like, I want to have fun with it. Yeah. And um, we've always had a lot. And of fun we've always with our had shows. fun. So yeah. th- every time that I find out that I'm going to be making a switch, you're like, you're one of my first calls where I'm like, hey, Yay. I want to let you know Yay. if you want to come <laughs> over, I would, I would love to have you. You, you know, you do a great job, and thank you. Yeah, it's not just for our listeners. It's not always a love fest here. We're just giving you. <laughs> A little history lesson, but you know it, it's been fun working together. Yeah, I think I think it is a love fest. Uh, Kevin and I have a great relationship, a great working relationship. Uh, I think we've done enough shows that we have a good chemistry on the radio, and um, we try to make it as fun as possible while still giving you sound legal advice. Yes, because we want you to enjoy the show, we want you to enjoy listening, and we want you to tune in. We want you to keep tuning in. And people invest in content, of course, when they yes. listen. They want information, but people also want to invest in in characters and personalities that they trust. So getting to know us a little bit better helps people with the information that we're giving them. I think so. I think it goes away a long way to building trust and making people want to listen and make and making them say, Oh, you should listen to this radio show. You know, you can get some good legal advice. You can get some good legal information and it's a fun show to listen to. You know, it's it's not boring, it's upbeat and it's funny. Fast paced. Yeah. And I've really enjoyed just the increased amount of audience participation we get. Good. Um, I mean, you know, whenever we're on Facebook Live, we have people commenting with questions. People are emailing us. Whenever we have yes. phones set up, people are calling, and yes. I love that. Also, we do have a phone line, but the phone has not been set up in my studio yet, so that is is to come. People will be able to watch, listen, and call in. It, it's just maximized the way media is going. There's just so many different ways to... Yes. Di- digest this content it's, it's grown a lot yeah. because now we're doing a lot more with this show than we were doing with ask the experts oh, that was just total radio broadcasting but now we've got the facebook page we're doing facebook live we were taping in the studio so you can see us so there's multiple dimensions multiple layers we're yeah. maximizing ways that people can can see us yeah. or hear us or watch us, whatever. <laughs> Follow <laughs> us. I mean, yeah, it, it, it's just much better. You want to yeah. maximize your output. Exactly. So if you enjoy the show and you have a legal problem that you'd like to talk to me about, feel free to call me. You can reach me at 817-874-8877, or you can go to my website, com. 
And you can reach yeah, us you, how else? If you want to ask us any kind of a question at any time, you can always just comment on Facebook or send us a private message. We'll get right back to you. Or you can email us at it's the law with Kathy Rue at gmail.com. That's it's the it's the law with Kathy Rue. Two W's Rue R O U X. It's the law with Kathy Rue at gmail.com. Yeah, excellent. It's a little bit of a long email, <laughs> but people don't seem to have a problem with it. I mean, we've been getting messages, so I, I, we already have another one. Oh, okay. Um, and this one I'm not sure of because it has a term in here that I've not heard in association in association with gun trusts. Uh, this listener would like to know how to how do I decide between registering the firearms as an individual trust or corporation? And that's I'm not good, sure I understand that. Well, that's if I understand it correctly, you're trying to decide what entity to register the gun under, and I think the Real question is who owns the gun? If you own the gun in your name, then you should register it in your name. If you have a gun trust set up, then you should register it in the trust's name. If you have a corporation set up and the corporation owns the gun, then you should register it in the gun's name. So I think you should register the gun in whoever holds legal title. Now, if the gun is in your name and you're in the process of setting up your gun trust, um, generally the gun's going to be registered in your name, but once it's transferred to the gun trust, then it would be registered under the name of the gun trust. Right. Which brings us to a really good question. What should you name your gun trust? Yes. <laughs> oh, I like this game. Yes. And basically you can name the gun trust anything you want. Uh, here's one funny example. You could name it Captain Awesome's Machine Gun Trust. Now, that's a great name. It sounds great. It's funny. But it's a lot to engrave on the side of a short-barreled rifle. Right. So you might want to keep the name short and sweet, and you may want to use your surname um, to keep the name of the gun trust easily engravable on your gun. Could you so. do it simply as um, like a monogram if you wanted to? You would have to put the tr the word trust on it. Okay. So um, you would want to put, you know, the Kevin Ebeling Trust. Not the, Kevin, the Kevin Rambo Ebeling. Awesome Arsenal Trust or you something. Could, you could do you that, go. but it's just a lot more work. The Kevin <laughs> Ebeling Rainbow Arsenal Trust. Yes. <laughs> if you could fit that all on the side of your gun, go right ahead. You need a really but long that's gun. an acceptable name. Yes. Okay. <laughs> that's perfectly fine. What would you see? I mean, most people will, will name it as. Most people use their own name. So it would They're just say it. The, so it would be the, the Kathy Rue Trust. Gun Trust or the Kevin Ebling Gun Trust. Yeah, gotcha. I think most people use it, or it could even be the Ebling Gun Trust. And is know? this something that they engrave? Is it real small? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and they just put it on the side of the gun so that you know you know who owns title to it. That it's not the person; it's the, it belongs to a trust. Because this is something I've seen before. On I don't know if you ever watched the show Pawn Stars, but people come <laughs> in and sell like you know really old, really famous guns. And you'll see old trusts on there of somebody famous, and it's like a way to identify that that actually belonged to that historical figure. Yes, exactly. So I've seen pawns, pawn, that pawn show um, I love a few it. I times, a handful of times. I don't watch it regularly. I'll binge watch it sometimes when I see it on. I'll just watch it back to back to back. I, yeah. I don't know why I find it so entertaining. I do. I hate the scripted parts, but the actual seeing the stuff people bring in to me is fascinating. Yeah, that part is fascinating because they bring in some really unique items. Absolutely. <laughs> so um, so what are some of the other advantages of having a, a gun trust? Um, you don't have to submit fingerprint cards 
or a photograph when you file your Form 1 or your Form 4. And this saves you valuable time because you don't need to visit Clio and explain your need for an item that's regulated by the NFA every time you want to purchase an NFA item. Um, the trust does not have to ask a chief law enforcement officer to approve the form with his signature. And the trust is the registered owner of the items regulated by the NFA. So the owners of the trust may change, but the registered owner, the NFA trust, remains the same. And no transfer has taken place under the NFA. So that's another advantage of having the trust set up. And one thing to make clear, too, is that um, <clears throat> the settler, uh, who is the person who created the trust, uh, may be the life trustee and may also be the life beneficiary, um, but the settler cannot be a beneficiary of the trust itself because, of course, upon the settler's death, the trust becomes irrevocable and it goes. the property passes to the beneficiary. So we are about to take another break. Thank you for staying with us this rainy afternoon. And we'll be right back with It's the Law with Kathy Rue. Providing you her will and testament for good radio. More It's the Law with Kathy Rue coming up next. too early to start planning. You're tuned in to It's the Law. Hi, everyone. We're back to It's the Law with Kathy Rue. I am in the studio today with Kevin Ebley. Hey. Hey, Kevin. And, uh, How you doing? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Today's gone by really fast. It has. It really has. I'm surprised it's gone by this fast. But, Me too. Um, it, it, I don't know. It kind of always flies by, I think. I think when we are really engaged with the particular topic we're talking about and we're having fun with it, I think that makes the time fly by quicker. And where we're getting audience participation, which we yes, always love. Yes, we love audience participation. So please uh, go to Facebook, post your questions, email us at it's the law with Kathy Rue. It's the law with Kathy Rue at gmail.com. There you go. That's Rue, R-O-U-X. Yes. And uh, I just wanted to back up and give some more information to the answer on Julian's question. He asked about the cost for setting up gun trust. And we talked about, you know, the the cost for the attorney's fees. We talked about no filing fees are necessary, no annual fees are necessary. Um, you don't have to get other people's signatures. You don't have to get fingerprints. But there is one cost that you do have to pay, and that is the transfer cost. And when you file your uh, transfer forms with uh, either the ATF or with the Department of Justice. And so you will need to make a check payable to the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives or the Department of Justice um, for approximately $200 with the word transfer, the make, model, and serial number of the item being transferred or manufactured. And that's important. So that's minimal cost aside from the money you're going to pay the attorney to actually create the document. And while we were at break, um, Kevin and I were discussing 
uh, the option of multiple persons uh, forming a group or getting together, for example, a group of friends getting together and setting up one trust and putting all of their guns into one trust. And that is an option. I mean, it's possible to actually do that, but it's not a recommended way of doing it. Uh, the, the recommended way of setting up a gun trust is for each individual to have their own separate gun trust and put their guns in that particular trust um, because their concerns, like what happens when the friendship ends, and you know that's an unfortunate situation, but friendships do end over time or friends have disagreements and stop communicating with each other for a period of time, or they just lose touch with each other because of life circumstances. They move, um, they life takes them on different paths. So that's not a good idea where the items are regulated by the National Firearms Act. Um, you need to make sure that that regulation is in place and you need to make sure that they're stored and that there's positive control of the items. So, You've got if you've got a group of friends who are trying to set up one trust, they each have legal liability for the other person's property. So it's not a good idea to, to use that process. The best thing to do is if you're a gun owner and you are considering a gun trust, have your own individual gun trust set up for yourself as an individual. Now, Julian, actually, you, you responded once more as another question. Okay, you may have already answered great. this while I was... Um, working over here doing some other stuff um but he asked is there any benefit to placing non-nfa title one firearms into a gun nfa trust this is one of those things where i'm like it's it's a totally different language that yeah, i don't <laughs> i don't think so i think you can put um all of your firearms in a gun trust i think you can put in non-nfa firearms and um which are considered regular firearms and I think you can also put in your NFA firearms. So I don't think that there's a distinction there's or a limitation. Yeah. You can put them both types into the gun trust. There's a different process for each one. If you're trying to transfer, let's see, if you're trying to transfer NFA firearms, you have to complete ATF Form 4. And if you're doing, I believe, non-NFA firearms, you have to do... Um, a, a, a different form. So just as long as you're following the ATF regulations in terms of actually transferring ownership, I think you're okay. You just, you can put both NFA firearms and non-NFA firearms in a gun trust. Is it ill-advised to try to handle this on your own rather than do with the assistance of an attorney? It's possible that you can do it on your own. Um, but you are going to have to do a lot of work because you're going to have to learn what the regulations are, what's required in terms of setting up the trust. You're going to have to create the trust yourself, and that gets kind of sticky as to whether or not you're engaging in the unauthorized practice of law. So it's probably best to at least consult with an attorney before you try to do this. But it's possible. I mean, if you want to try to... But I to, mean, there, there's a good chance that you could miss something or look is. over something and then it's not, and it, you know, you're not protected. That's true. There's a good chance you won't set up the trust document properly 
and that could lead to some legal ramifications. Uh, there's a good chance you won't transfer title properly. And of course, that's a big issue. If you don't, then the title would remain in your name individually. Uh, and then it would fall under the probate process and it would be distributed according to your will and not according to the gun trust. So better better to play it safe. I mean... It's better to consult with an attorney. It is. It is. At least for a consultation. I would not recommend that someone try to do this on their own. They can do it. They would have to it be... It is possible. Fairly but sophisticated and... Um, like I said, do a lot of research, a lot of extensive footwork. research. Yes, well, you'd have to sure. listen to this episode at least six times. Before <laughs> at <you> least <laughs> make sure you're doing it right. Yeah, so it you know it's a risk. I would not recommend it, but it's possible that you could do that. Yeah, and uh, someone asked too during the break about what happens if you set this up and then you become incapacitated. What happens to your guns? Um, I think that uh, there's going to be language in the trust that says specifically what happens to the guns if you become incapacitated. But <clears throat> generally, you know, you have the trustee who's in charge of the guns and they are still holding the property for you and they're managing the property for you. So they have the guns, they are protecting them for you. You still get to use them. If you're incapacitated, your trustee is in place and they're going to manage the use, the possession and the distribution of the guns, which is an advantage because if you own the guns outright as an individual and you don't have a gun trust set up and you become incapacitated, there's no one in charge legally to oversee the use, the possession, and the management of those guns, and so that could be a that could turn out to be a real risk for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, we had. I, I feel kind of bad. There was one other listener submission we had that I kind of missed yeah. from a while back. Can we back. get to it real quickly? We, we can, and I'm pretty sure you've already answered this one already. But this okay. is from Brian in Louisville. He asks, "Is there?" Hold on. Can my friend and I form one NFA trust and place all of our firearms into one trust? And I believe yeah. you said the answer is yes. You can do it. The short answer is yes, you can do it. The better answer is you probably shouldn't it's do it. It's know. ill-advised. Your friends now, but what happens when you know, you're not friends or yeah. you have an argument, you have a falling out, you have a disagreement. What happens when you move to different places because of your career, because of your family? Um, it It's just not the best situation and it can present other legal ramifications or other practical ramifications that would uh, leave you both open for legal liability. Because there's really no way to know 100% that you won't have a falling out. It's almost the same thing if you look behind like a prenuptial agreement, you know, I mean, there's you're hoping that you, you, everything turns out okay, but you just, you really never know for yeah, sure. Yeah, you really never know for sure. I mean, we all want to think we're going to be friends for forever, but, you know, sometimes life happens and you're not friends or your friendship sort of wanes. It falls by the wayside just because life takes you in different directions. That won't happen with us, though. Kathy and I will be No, I'm going to stalk Kevin. <laughs> wherever, whatever radio station he goes to, I'll be right there with him doing this show. <laughs> you know what? Just because we're such good friends, I, I made some custom outro music for you. I know you really wanted to hear this particular yes. song. So. Yes, this song is near and dear to my heart. It's an oldie but goodie. Well, I mean, that's that's all the time we have here. We got to ready to wrap up. Yeah, thanks for joining us today on It's the Law with Kathy Rue. I hope you enjoyed this show. Our next show is scheduled for November twenty first. Uh, it'll start at twelve noon, so stay tuned and join us at that time. Thanks, everyone. Have a good week.
就。